Welcome to Uptempo Sports 24-7. Once again, I am your host, Coach Pete. And March Madness, folks, is what it is. March Madness. The NFL free agency frenzy goes on. More allegations are swirling about Pro Bowl quarterback Deshaun Watson. And the NBA... As we're nearing the trade deadline, we're hearing big names possibly on the move. So without further ado, let's get started here on Uptempo Sports 24-7. Thank you for joining us. And let's start with the NCAA tournament because March Madness has been everything that we always look for and hope for this time of year. Remember, we didn't get this last year because, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. But I tell you what, I had some issues with the NCAA in regards to the way that they handled the situation with the women, preparing them for the tournament. But the preparation for the men's tournament and the way these teams have played has been outstanding. And we've had more upsets over the last few days that I can remember going into this tournament. We've had low-seeded teams that have just been in this tournament balling out. And one of those teams is the number number 15th-ranked Oral Roberts as they move on now to the Sweet 16 after defeating Florida, the number 17. Oral Roberts, they have been one of the surprise teams in this tournament as well as number 12, Oregon State, as they upset number five, Oklahoma State. And I think we probably have seen the last collegiate game for one K Cunningham. The potential number one pick in the draft dropped 24 points in a losing effort last night against Oregon State. So I hope that you enjoyed his short stay on the collegiate level, but you will see him on the next level next year because I still believe that he will make himself available for the NBA draft, and he will be undoubtedly your number one pick. Remember, I told you before, this young man creates so many opportunities for his teammates. He unfortunately just didn't have enough help to move further in this tournament. He's not going to be the prolific scorer that Carmelo Anthony was. Remember, we made a comparison, <clears throat> excuse me, an analogy about Kay Cunningham trying to put this team on his back like Melo did for Syracuse when he led the Orange Men to Jim Boeheim's first NCAA championship. Melo was just born to be a scorer. Kay Cunningham affects the game in so many aspects with his scoring, with his leadership with his passing and he just doesn't have the other players around him to step up. Mr. Anderson showed up to the party. He had 16 points, but they really didn't have anybody else that could lift them up scoring wise. They got, they were down for the majority of this game. They cut the lead down to two in the second half. And then Oregon state went on a 10 0 run. And that was your ball game. But we will see Kay Cunningham at the next level, and he probably will be potentially the number one draft pick. 
Houston got a big scare from Rutgers, but they were able to come back and hold off at the end and pull out a dramatic win against Rutgers. You saw Arkansas basically in the same type of a fight against Texas Tech, and they were able to hold on at the end to get a big victory. And then we saw our first number one seed in this tournament go down. Number eight, Loyola, Chicago, upset the number one seed, Illinois. Sister Jean finds herself dancing to the Sweet 16 once again at 101 years old. Loyola of Chicago is a really good team, folks. If you have not had the opportunity to tune into them, they have a very solid team. Illinois just could not find their shots, could not get a rhythm in this game, and it came back to haunt them at the end. So we saw our first number one seed go down in this tournament. We saw Villanova, even with their best player being out, they were able to dismantle North Texas, who had been balling um, after that first round. But Villanova was able to sustain themselves after an early scare in, in round one in this game. They got started early, and they were able to dismantle North Texas. Syracuse behind the laser shooting of one Buddy Bayheim continued their run to the Sweet 16, beating Coach Bob Huggins and his West Virginia Mountaineers. Jim Bayheim. You know he's a little rough around the edges. When it comes to the tournament, we've talked about the Orangemen the last few years sneaking into the tournament and Bayheim having something to say. Well, I think right now, the only thing he can say is thank goodness that his son is on his team because his son is shooting lights out in this tournament. And if it wasn't for the younger Bayheim, dad and the Orangemen probably would be going home. Buddy Bayheim has been outstanding, not only in this tournament, but the last few weeks leading into the selection for March Madness. The younger Bayheim is the reason why his dad and the Orangemen are still dancing and are going to be headed to the Sweet 16. We have big games tonight. Maryland's going to be playing against Alabama after an impressive win against Connecticut a few days ago, led by their Junior point guard, Mr. Ayala. Merlin defensively locked down on Mr. Book Knight for Connecticut, their best player and a potential lottery pick for Connecticut. Merlin locked in on him early and threw him off in regards to his rhythm. He was never able to catch his rhythm. And the Terps will take on that mantra against Alabama. It's a bigger fight for them against Alabama. Alabama, uh, number two seed in this tournament. Alabama, one of the top shooting three-point teams in this tournament. So Maryland's going to have their hands full, but congratulations to Coach Mark Turgeon for moving into the second round. And let's see what Turtle Nation can do against the likes of Alabama. 
We saw Gonzaga early on in their first game get an impressive win against Norfolk State. We'll see what they do against the likes of Oklahoma today. We'll see what Michigan can do against LSU as well. We'll see what Florida State does against their next opponent in this tournament, which should be the Buffaloes of Colorado who dismantled the Hoyas of Georgetown with their three-point shooting. The problem for Colorado that they're going to face against Florida State is that Florida State has so much length on the perimeter and on their front line that it's going to be difficult for Colorado to get the same types of looks that they were able to against able to get against Georgetown. Not saying that they can't shoot the ball. I just think that those same looks and them getting that type of rhythm early is going to be a difficult task against Leonard Hamilton and his Florida State Seminoles. UCLA taking on another upstart in their game, taking on um, another upstart team in the tournament. We'll see if they can hold on as the Pac-12 has been the surprise in the tournament. We'll see what happens with USC and Kansas later on tonight. It will be an interesting evening of games, folks, because like I said, March Madness has been in full effect and these lower seeded teams have caused a lot of havoc for a lot of brackets. I know a lot of people had Illinois either going to the championship or possibly winning. So I'm sure there are a lot of brackets that have been busted by the fact that Illinois lost and for the mere fact that other teams had not been able to advance. So this is what we missed out on last year. This is why March Madness is one of the best sporting events that we can have on display even though there may not be the same number of fans in the stands that we're used to seeing just the idea that these young men have been healthy enough and that the NCAA has taken the precautions to make sure the teams have been healthy enough to be able to be participants in these events has been all the difference and making our March Madness fever go up because we have had so much entertainment. And just as the men are entertaining us, don't sleep on the women's tournament. The women's tournament got started yesterday, and it is a young freshman at Iowa that you need to keep an eye out on. Um, she's going to be a problem just like the young freshman at Connecticut. Miss Page is a problem. So, the both the men and women tournaments are in full effect and I hope that you are enjoying what we missed out on and what we needed to have, which is the madness of March. Thank you, NCAA, and thank you for all these colleges and universities that are participating and these young men and women 
that are following the protocols to be able to stay healthy enough to be able to allow us to be a part of such a great tournament. We are going to segue from the NCAA tournament right now, and we want to talk about what's going on in the NBA. And what's going on in the NBA is is that not only are we dealing with the protocols from COVID, but now we're dealing with major injuries to stars. Not just any star, but the star. And that would be one LeBron James. We know that there have been many players that have missed games. We just got C.J. McCollum back to Portland here about a week ago. We've been without KD for, it seems like, forever. Been without Anthony Davis forever. And now LeBron on Saturday incurring a high ankle sprain in the game against Atlanta. Sounds like that, according to reports, that he will be out for two to three weeks. Now, we know Anthony Davis is supposed to be getting um, reevaluated here in about another two to three weeks himself. But LeBron, the most durable athlete that I've ever seen, is going to be out, they're saying, approximately two to three weeks or two to four weeks. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that. And we're going to have to keep an eye on the Lakers because... They're probably going to slide position-wise in the West. Phoenix has been one of the hottest teams over the last month in the NBA. And that could all be attributed to the play of CP3, one Chris Paul, future Hall of Famer. I told you early on when Chris Paul signed with Phoenix I didn't think it was a bad signing from the standpoint of his leadership. I just didn't know if a team as young as Phoenix, if they wanted to hitch their wagon to a veteran who was making the amount of money that Chris Paul was going to carry. He has been well worth every cent. And he is the reason why the Phoenix Suns are sitting where they're sitting in the West. He also is the reason why Devin Booker is growing exponentially as a player. Why DeAndre Ayton has gotten better this year. Even though I've heard rumors that maybe Phoenix may want to try to see if they can pull some strings for a possible trade. And maybe DeAndre Ayton may be a part of that depending upon who it is they would get. I don't think that would be, to me, in their best interest. I think that they should just roll with the young center, especially with Chris Paul being there and them running the pick and roll. But we'll have to keep an eye on that to see if they make a move at the trade deadline, which is coming up this Thursday, the 25th of March. They wouldn't be the only team that would be considering a trade. But getting back to Chris Paul real quick, congratulations to Chris Paul becoming the sixth player in NBA history to record 10,000 assists. Remarkable, remarkable career for CP3. And like I said, he is definitely a future Hall of Famer, but he is the catalyst for why the Phoenix Suns are playing the type of basketball that they're playing. We saw, excuse me, the potential 
of what this Phoenix Suns team could be in the bubble last summer when Devin Booker just went on a scoring spree. But now with Chris Paul, he has helped take them to another level. Along with Coach Monty Williams, the Phoenix Suns are going to be a tough out in the Western Conference once the playoffs comes around. Speaking of potential trades that could possibly happen in the NBA, Aaron Gordon has finally got tired of all the whispering and all the rumors, and he has demanded a trade from Orlando. I think he will be moved by Thursday. There are several teams that are interested in the service of one, Mr. Gordon, the small forward of the Orlando Magic. Orlando's also thinking about moving Nikolo Vuvicic. I don't know why you would want to move your all-star center. He's one of the best big men in the NBA, and he's still young at 28 years old, I believe. Why would you want to move him? He should be a centerpiece of your franchise that you utilize along with when you get the return of Markel Fultz next year and um, Cole Anthony. He should be the centerpiece of that rebuild, not somebody that you're looking to trade. We keep hearing that Chicago won't trade Zach Levine, but then again, you keep hearing his name being floated out there. We're hearing him connected to Denver. Denver possibly making a move to trade for Zach Levine and them trading Michael Porter out. I don't. It's not Zach Levine's fault that Chicago's not winning. Zach Levine is doing what he can do as a professional night in and night out. Zach Levine recorded his first all-star appearance this year. He has gotten better every single season. Once that knee got healthy that he hurt when he was playing with the Timberwolves, he has been such a better player. And so I don't know why you would want to trade Zach Levine. I don't know why Chicago or Atlanta is talking about trying to get Lonzo Ball. Both teams have point guards. They have young point guards. Chicago has Kobe White from North Carolina. I think Kobe White and Zach Levine can make a very... Nice backcourt, if given time. They've only been together for two years. Kobe White's in his second season. So you need to give it time, especially under under the new coaching staff with Billy Donovan. I don't understand why you're thinking about trading for Lonzo Ball. I don't understand why Atlanta is thinking about trading for Lonzo Ball when you have Trey. I'm not understanding why you need you already have a point guard. You have an all star point guard. So I'm not understanding why you're thinking about trading for Lonzo Ball. Just like I don't understand why Atlanta is thinking about giving up John Collins. Now, this has been one of those subjects to keep going back and forth. First, they were saying that they would possibly move John Collins because of the fact that he would be. A free agent next year next summer and they don't know if they want to pay him at the top of the market okay i understand that but when that time comes then you decide what you want to do this young man should be a cornerstone to your franchise just like you have with your point guard i don't understand why you would trade those are the two pieces you build around i don't understand why you're thinking about trading 
John Collins when you should be building around he and Trey Young. It makes no sense to me. I'm not getting it. And then maybe those maybe those rumors will start to fizzle out because Nate McMillan, who has taken over as the interim coach, has them on a nine-game winning streak after they beat the Lakers on Saturday. So maybe, maybe they will hold back on those ideas of trading John Collins. But there's so many teams that are looking at John Collins. Minnesota Timberwolves, the Denver Nuggets looking at him, um, Dallas looking at him. So he he would not be without a suitor because he's a young, pardon me, folks, he's a young talent, a player who's only going to get better. Did you see his numbers against the Lakers on Saturday? If I'm not mistaken, I think he had 27 points, 16 rebounds, four block shots, six assists. He's in his third year, and he's getting better every year. Why do you trade this type of commodity? I'm not understanding. It makes no sense to me what they're doing in the NBA. Minnesota should be building around the likes of Carl Anthony Towns. We talked about Anthony Edwards and the steps that he's taken since he's been in the starting lineup. If he continues to play the way that he's playing, he may have a shot, outside shot of being rookie of the year now that one Lamella Ball, who was the front runner for rookie of the year, sounds like there's a possibility that young Lamelo may be out for the rest of the season. Right now, they have him as being out indefinitely due to a fractured wrist, and so he's going to get a second opinion. But he has been all that the Charlotte Hornets could have hoped for. Uh, one of the best picks. In the last few years for Michael Jordan's organization. So I know they're going to want to do the right thing to make sure that this young man is going to be a part of their future, a centerpiece of their future. And they're not going to take any any unnecessary risk with his health. So if he's out for the remainder of the season, does that mean that he loses the momentum for being the rookie of the year? Like I said, Anthony Edwards has stepped up since he's been in the starting lineup. And it's a possibility that he could come in and maybe steal some momentum if LaMelo's out. But to me, LaMelo has built up enough credit right now that you could just go ahead and give him that award. He has been phenomenal. And I didn't see this coming from this young man. And I guess we looked at what his brother did, or maybe I'm not going to say we, I'm just going to say myself, looked at all the hype that his brother got and said, well, maybe he'll fall into that category as well. I apologize. That young man is a baller, and he is way better than his brother, Lonzo Ball. Even though Lonzo Ball is having a really good season for the Pelicans, unfortunately, the Pelicans are not having a good season as a team. But they have two foundational pieces to build around in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Those are your two centerpieces, and that's where you need to start. I don't know if Stan Van Gundy is going to be the coach to get them where they need to be. I think that they're going to be looking to make trades as well. I know that J.J. Redick, 
he's injured right now, but I know that he was on the trade block at one point. I think Eric Bledsoe may still be on the trade block. We know Victor Oladipo is on the trade block in Houston. I think Houston's asking a little bit too much for Victor, considering whoever trades for Victor, it's going to be basically a one-year rental because Victor is a unrestricted free agent next summer. We know he has his his sights set on South Beach, trying to join the Miami Heat, but we don't know if Miami's going to have any room for him because Miami is trying to be a buyer in this trade market because they're looking at Kyle Lowry. They're looking at moving potential pieces to Toronto if they're able to make a trade for the veteran point guard. They're saying possibly Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, or Kendrick Nunn. Me personally, a 34-year-old point guard who's going to need a new contract because he'll be a free agent at the end of next year, I'm not trading Tyler Hero for Kyle for Kyle Lowry. Now, if you want Duncan Robinson, that's a piece you can let go. If I get Kyle Lowry, I don't necessarily need Kendrick Nunn. We can always find another point guard, a younger point guard next year. So I can see one of those two pieces or both of them, but I'm not trading Tyler Hero for Kyle Lowry. I'm not doing that. I hear that Norman Powell's also possible trade piece for some teams looking for um, some depth going into the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot of movement on the NBA radar. I know the Dallas Mavericks are talking to the Cleveland Cavaliers about trying to make a trade for one Andre Drummond. We know the Lakers and Brooklyn were looking at Andre Drummond as a potential piece if he was bought out by Cleveland. But Cleveland is really looking to try to get something in return for the services of Mr. Drummond. So that is going to be what we're going to be looking for this week as the trade deadline, I told you, would be on this coming Thursday, March 25th. Those are some of the names that we're hearing out there. Um, There was some noise early on about Kevin Love. I don't know if he's healthy enough that he would be on the market as a trade piece, but I know that the Lakers would be interested in trying to get the services of one Andre Drummond or even Hassan Whiteside. And now we're hearing that possibly Mr. Hurl could be a piece that the Lakers use in a trade. Montrez Hurl has been a baller since the Lakers signed him over the summer. He is what every team needs, a glue piece, a blue collar guy that brings his lunch pail to work every single day. And with LeBron being out, you need Montrez's let's get to work attitude night in and night out. Kuz has been playing well, but you need that guy that's going to bring some toughness to the table. I don't know why you would even think about trading Montrez, especially with LeBron and AD being out of the lineup. Why would you do that? I'm not saying Montrez is going to go in and drop 30 a night, but you don't need him to drop 30 a night. You need somebody that's going to go in there and bring that toughness and some leadership to that team. And I think if you trade him right at this moment, unless you're getting something substantial in return, I think you're making a big mistake. And although the Clippers may not fess to this, they could use Montrezl Harrell. 
I know they signed Sergi Baca, but Montrez Hurl is a really good, solid ball player that every team needs to have a ball player like that. So I'm hoping that the Lakers, whatever move they make, that it does not involve Montrez Hurl because he has been a solid piece, just like Dennis Schroeder has been a solid piece for the Lakers this season. And those two guys are the key to me down the stretch if the Lakers want to successfully defend their title if they're able to get their two superstars back in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. All right, all right. We've got a lot <laughs> we've got a lot to be out here to talk about, folks. So we're gonna take a small commercial break here and then we're gonna come back and then we're gonna dip our toe into the waters of the NFL and question marks are swirling over Deshaun Watson. We just talked about this yesterday, but got new news out here about Deshaun. So we'll talk about that and much more when we return from break. This is Uptempo Sports 24-7. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome back to Uptempo Sports 24-7. I am your host, Coach P. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Before we jump into this um, NFL news, let's go back and talk about the NBA for a second. Just want to again talk about what James Harden has meant to the Brooklyn Nets. Without Kevin Durant, and now they're going to be without Kyrie Irving for the next three games due to personal reasons. Their only saving face has been the play of James Harden. I've said over and over again, I was not in favor of this trade, especially the way that James Harden went about it. But I guess James knew more about what was going on in Houston than we did because the Houston Rockets over the weekend lost their twelve straight game. That's embarrassing. And it's a shame that they put their young coach, Mr. Silas, in such a predicament. He didn't deserve this in his first season as a head coach after being an assistant coach for so many years. He didn't deserve 
his first opportunity to be like this. It's not his fault that they don't have enough talent. It's not his fault that management gave in to the wishes of James Harden. It's just a shame to see him going through this type of season when he had put in so much work for so many years to get a head coaching opportunity and to see it blow up in his face like this is just a little bit unfair. So hopefully whatever moves that the Rockets make at the trade deadline will set them up for the rebuild over the next few years because that's what they're going to be doing, rebuilding. Unfortunately, they're going to have to do that with John Wall's contract. And John Wall, no offense, has played very well this year considering you know this is his first full year back after almost two years of being out of basketball. I don't think that we could have expected any more than what John Wall has given, given to the Rockets. So we're not going to sit here and bash John Wall for the reason why the Rockets aren't playing well because again you're talking about someone who's been out for two years and has stepped in and been a professional but it's just a shame that young Mr. Silas has had to endure the type of season that he's going through in his first stint as an NBA coach I just hope that management is patient with him and allots him the time with the trades that are being made and the draft picks that they have gathered to allow him to turn this back around. Because if they don't, it would really be unfair of the Houston's management team and ownership to make him a lame, a lame duck. I just wanted to point that out. So let's get to the NFL. And let's talk about this whole Deshaun Watson situation. We just spoke about this yesterday and talked about what was going on with Deshaun Watson. And it seems like, like I said yesterday, I I want to hear from one of these victims to step forward. Now we have six more allegations, six more charges that are being out there. Six more people that are coming to the foray. So that brings our count to, if I'm not mistaken, to 13, possibly 12 or 13 women that are saying that Deshaun Watson has done something inappropriate to them. And as we said yesterday, where there's smoke, there's fire. And although I said that it's amazing to me that Deshaun has been with this Texans organization for four years and we heard nothing but pleasantries and accolades for his professionalism and his dedication to the community. And then when he has dissatisfaction with the organization and asks to be traded down, all of a sudden these rumors come out. We're going to need to, to wait for all this to clear because I can't imagine 
what he could be thinking if none of, if this stuff is not true. I can't imagine what Deshaun Watson could be thinking about where his career may end up now. If he still would be forced to stay in Houston or if another team would be willing to trade assets for him to move on to a new organization with all this swirling above him right now. I just hope that we find out the truth of what's really going on and what's really happened. And like I said before, a man should be able to prove his innocence or he should be innocent until someone proves that he's guilty of a crime or of these allegations. Just coming out and and making allegations and making these statements does not necessarily mean that he is guilty until we see facts. And that's what I'm waiting to hear is facts. But it just does not look good right now for Deshaun Watson and his management team. So I hope that we'll get more clarity about this situation over the next few days or the next few weeks that truth will start to come out about what is really going on and what really has occurred over the last year or so with all these allegations and charges that are now being brought up against Deshaun Watson. Let's talk about football because that's what we're here to talk about. We're not we're not a court system. We're all going to have and formulate our own opinions about what's going on. But at the end of the day, we just want the truth. But in the meantime, let's talk about what you want to listen to my show for. And that is for me to talk about sports and the New York Giants, a team that's in my division in the NFC East because I am a Cowboy fan, are making news again. We just told you about the signing that they had yesterday when they when we reported that they had just locked up the prime receiver and free agent Kenny Galladay from the Detroit Lions on a four year deal to make him their number one receiver. Now they signed Adoy Jackson, who became a free agent. When he was released by the Tennessee Titans, he's a player that I was hoping that my Cowboys would take a look at. But the Giants gave him a very lucrative deal. Three years, $39 million, $16 million guaranteed. I don't think Dallas would be in the market for giving that type of money to someone like an Adoree Jackson. I would have loved to see if they could have kicked the tires on Adoree. I like Adoree. He went to USC. USC is one of my favorite football teams in college football and he was a really good player at USC and he was a good player for the first few years when he was at Tennessee so I would have liked to see what Dallas could have done in regards to any type of talks but the Giants jumped out there they've been aggressive in free agency we forgot to mention the fact that they also signed free agent tight end Kyle Rudolph to add to their receiving core so the Giants are making all the things necessary for their young quarterback, Daniel Jones, to be successful. They're hoping that their top running back, Saquon Barkley, is going to be healthy, coming back off of that torn ACL from last season. They now have Sterling Shepard. They have Mr. Galladay. They have Kyle Rudolph. Mr. Ingram. 
they're going to be a problem. And Dallas is going to have to definitely invest in defense when it comes to the draft. Now, we talked about the fact that they went out and made some signings. I don't know how. I don't know how effective these signings that they made are going to be. But we'll just have to monitor them. One of the in the upcoming draft, one of the top corners that they have been mentioning for Dallas to draft, the, the young corner, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, apparently is not going to be able to participate in his pro day because he's going to be having a minor surgery on his back. So I don't know how that's going to affect his draft stock and how that changes Dallas perceptions of where they would take him if they still would consider taking him. Now, I know Alabama's pro day, if I'm not mistaken, is tomorrow. So then that means we'll get to see Patrick Sertain run and do drills at Alabama's pro day. So then that'll give Dallas a better assessment of if he's still one of their top prospects at the corner spot. Um, I like Caleb Farley. I I um, got to see some tape of him. Thought he was very athletic. Kind of reminded me from an athletic standpoint of Byron Jones. Byron Jones is very athletic coming out of Connecticut. Sertain is more of a physical receiver. Um, so I don't know if that changes Dallas's opinion about if they would still make Mr. Farley their pick at number 10. It's a lot of people out here with whispers about Dallas possibly if he was there. Should they look at Kyle Pitts, the outstanding tight end from Florida? I mean, it would be great if you could get somebody like a Kyle Pitts. But to me, that is not a necess- that's not a necessity pick. That is a pick that if you had everything already lined up and you could get him, then that would be great. That would be icing on the cake. But considering all the needs that you have on defense, I just don't see how you can make that pick at number 10. Unless you're going to move down to get extra picks, I just don't see how you do that. I don't believe that he'll be there at 10, but if he is there at 10, would Dallas roll the dice and take him thinking that they could get more picks defensively as the draft goes forward because they have nine picks in this draft. So would they possibly roll the dice to say, hey, we can get the defensive help we need with the other eight picks? I'm just not sure. I'm, I'm not sure what, they, what their thinking is. I'm not sure what they're going to continue to do in free agency. And I think that makes a difference as well. I know that they're supposed to be bringing in Malik Hooker, um, I think tomorrow, Wednesday, free safety prospect, free agent from Indianapolis. The problem is, is that he has been injury prone since he's been in the league. He had that great first year and part of his second year, but then he's been injured ever since. And so that is part of the issue of why they are going to have to make some moves in the draft. I would have liked to seen them go after Anthony Harris, the 
young free agent, free safety that Minnesota decided to let walk out the door. He signed with another division rival of ours, the Philadelphia Eagles, for one year, five million. I'm 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 trying to figure out why Dallas didn't kick the kick the tires on him. I mean, you couldn't get Justin Simmons because he re-signed with Denver after they tagged him. He's the highest paid safety now in the NFL. And he is deserving of that. He is one of the best young safeties in the NFL. And so I can see why Denver locked him up. But Anthony Hurst had two good years in Minnesota. He had a down, kind of a down year last year. But a lot of players had down years last year due to all the things that the players had to go through with the pandemic. So that was not strange to see that. But for you not to even address him at all I'm just not sure what your line of thinking was now maybe maybe they did I haven't heard anything that tells me that they did so I'm only speculating that they didn't and it's a shame because if you didn't and he only signed that one year deal with Philly for five million you missed out on a golden opportunity to possibly get a young free safety who has NFL experience and was on the cups of being a pro bowler you could have gotten him on a cheap for at least one year. And then if he redefined himself this year, then you could possibly think about locking him up to a long-term contract next year. I just don't understand what they're doing with all this money that they so-called said they were trying to get when they restructured the contracts of Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, Amari Cooper. I, I don't know. I don't know why they restructured these contracts if they weren't going to go out and sign the help that they need. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You're trying to get retreads or you're, you're gambling on guys that have been injured. They've had serious injuries and hoping that those guys, even though Malik Hooker is still young, but still you're talking about guys coming off Achilles injuries, torn ACLs, those are not t- those are not the type of injuries that you just bounce back from after six months to a year. An Achilles injury probably is going to take you about a good year and a half to really see the full effects of what that player can do. And so, although you may get if he signs with you, you may get Malik Cooker on the cheap. As they say, you get what you pay for. So, you know they just signed. Keanu Neal from Atlanta. There have been speculation about that. So they just signed him. And, you know, the one good thing about Mr. Neal is that he's versatile enough that they may be able to put him in as a nickel linebacker because of his physicality. Because of the fact that we already have Donovan Wilson, who they have high hopes for to play the strong safety spot. But you need to get as much talent in your secondary as possible. And that's why I was hoping that they would have taken a look at someone like an Adoree Jackson. But they didn't. Speaking of Jackson, Deshaun Jackson has a new home. Matter of fact, he's going back home. Deshaun Jackson signs a one-year contract with the L.A. Rams, so he returns to California. This will probably be his last stop. I was surprised that the Rams went after Deshaun because the last two and a half years, Deshaun has not been healthy at all. 
but Deshaun gives them something that they don't have, someone who can stretch the field. Robert Woods is a really good receiver, and, and of course, so is Cooper Cup. But neither one of those guys are, are speed burners. So Deshaun, even at this age, I think Deshaun is 32 or 33. Even at this age, Deshaun is still one of the fastest receivers in the NFL if he can get on the field. So that will give them another dimension along with the signing of Matthew Stafford to expand upon that offense. So I know that's what they're looking at with Sean McVay, the mad scientist when it comes to offense. So that's going to be very interesting to see what the Rams do with that. I'm just shaking my head because it seems like every team in the NFC East is improving themselves and I'm just not sure exactly what Dallas is doing. And like I said, you can't keep shopping in, in the sales aisle and think that you're going to be able to compete with teams that are spending money to get really good players. It's okay. Every team needs to have a blue-collar player. But at some point, you have got to go out. If you're going to go out in free agency, you've got to gamble. And Jerry says he likes to gamble. That Sometimes he's overspent, like he said about Dak, that he overspends for things that he really wants. I'm just trying to figure out when you're going to do that when it comes to free agency. We've been waiting for it. The last time that they really spent in free agency and it made and it was a worthwhile expenditure was when they went out and got Dion. And that was back in 94, 95. They haven't gone out and got a free agent of his magnitude since then. And if Jerry wants to see another Super Bowl, he needs to start doing something that's going to show us as the fan base that he wants to win another Super Bowl. Making these incremental moves to me is not enough, especially when everybody around you, not just in your division, but in the NFC as a whole, is getting better. But I digress. So we'll see. There's going to be many more signings. There's still good players that are out there. Here that Sammy Watkins is possibly going to visit the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm sorry. Sammy Watkins may may return to the Kansas City Chiefs, but before then he's going to go out on the market and supposed to be visiting the Baltimore Ravens. Now remember, Baltimore tried to sign Juju Smith-Schuster, but he returned to Pittsburgh for less money, they say. Um, But I know that Baltimore's got to get another receiver, whether that's Mr. Watkins or someone else, they've got to make an investment in a receiver. They may have to draft one, but they're going to have to get Lamar help on the outside. It can't just be Hollywood and it can't just be Mr. Andrews at the tight end spot. They're going to have to go get themselves a legitimate wide receiver. So we'll see what they end up doing with that. But there's still players out there. They can make an impact. Dallas has just got to be willing to spend some money as we're seeing other teams are making moves to improve on their current status. 
We hear that the NFL will return to its natural setting for the draft. I love the virtual draft last year. I think it was one of the biggest, one of the biggest um, events that occurred last year when sports was returning. I think it was such a success that I thought that they may even decide to try to do it again this year. But they're going to return to actual live, actual live draft and try to incorporate some of the virtual features for some of the players, some of those who are being drafted who will not be invited to Cleveland for the draft. I think that would be good to add that component as well. I really like the way the NFL was able to pull that off last year with the virtual draft. It was outstanding, outstanding job the NFL did. But it's going to be good to see the live draft as well again. Um, And the NFL, we told you, has signed that lucrative contract with their all their um, television stations, ESPN, CBS, Fox, Amazon. So the printing of the new money will start next season. The NFL is about that bread. They are about that money. And they are going to be printing up new money in the start of 2022. And I think that's why you're seeing so many guys in free agency signing a one-year, two-year deal so that they can hit the market again next year when the new TV contract kicks in and a new revenue goes up and they'll have a shot at being able to make more money. So it's not a bad idea, even if you were a free agent and you wanted to try to cash in. If you have an exceptional year this year, you'll still be able to get that get that bag next year because there will be plenty of money to be had. And I think we'll see fans in the stands with the vaccinations going on right now across the country. If everybody can get vaccinated, teams can try to come up with a new protocol when the NFL season starts to get fans in the stands. And that will increase the revenue and also put money back in the pockets of these owners as if they didn't already have money, but it'll put money back in their pockets as well. And then I think you'll see a lot of guys who are signing one-year deals with an option for the second year. I think you'll see those guys hit the market again and be able to cash in on bigger contracts. So with that, we just say thank you again for tuning in to Uptempo Sports. We're glad you were able to join in with us. We'll be back to talk about who's going to make it to the round of the Sweet 16 in the NCAA. We hope you enjoy the games on both sides. Make sure that you watch these women because the women's basketball game has come full circle and forward. They have a lot of really good teams in this tournament and a lot of outstanding players that you need to be watching. So with that, we say thank you again. Don't forget to check us out on all our social media platforms, Spotify, Google, Anchor.com, wherever your social media can be found, you should find us there. And as we always say before we check out, it's always same bat time, same bat channel. Before we leave these airways, we have to send our condolences to the family of Elgin Baylor. Um, Just found out that uh, the late, great Laker passed away this evening at the age of 86. One of the best players in NBA history, 
We just want to say send our condolences to he to his family. And before we talk about the likes of, you know, the Michael Jordans and the LeBron Jameses and the Dr. J's of the world and the Kobe Bryant's of the world, there were players like Elgin Baylor, one of the for his during his time, one of the most prolific scores. Remember, he played with Jerry West. Um, and so we just want to send our condolences to his family. So many people this year already we have had to say goodbye to. And just once again shows us how precious life is. But we just wanted to make sure we sent our acknowledgement to say he was one of the best. Not just one of the best Lakers, not just one of the best players, but a really great man. So rest in peace, Elgin Baylor. And thanks again for tuning in to this episode of our Tempo Sports. Until the next, peace.